<laughs> which I guess it's not a spoiler because everybody knows that. Uh, he ends up actually taking over the state of in which his father rules, and he kills his father and takes over the state and marries his mother, without even knowing that this is the place where he was originally born and without even knowing that this is his mother uh, and it tells the story of how he tries to you know kind of um, have a penance or a way back from what he did which was a sin although he didn't know i don't know but yeah i guess that's it that's all i had to say and i didn't actually expect for this episode to be this long but i loved it i loved every piece of it and i shared what i love with the audience which i had none <laughs> and i have none because i I've never seen everybody listen to my podcast, but it's gonna change hopefully one day. So let's read books. Let's not hop on the trends that showing off your not reading a book is a cool thing. And let's consider reading books as a necessity and not a luxury. So that's all I gotta say. Peace. Gather around, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about books today, and specifically my favorite books that I want to suggest to all the people out there. And to be honest, I understand that there is a trend where especially influencers show off the fact that they don't read books or they don't like reading books, and I don't understand it. If they are trying to be relatable, (laughs) I don't know, I cannot relate to that. And secondly, uh, reading books is not a luxury, it's a necessity, so I don't know. But let's get to it. My favorite books. First off, let's start with The Cream of the Crop, The Love of My Life, The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. This is a story of the person, the boy, named Edmond Dantes, takes place in the Napoleon France. Honestly, that era of Napoleon being a military leader, then rising against French royal family that was ruling France back then, and then taking over, and then becoming the emperor, but yet again, the royal family comes back in the position of power, but after a while, Napoleon again takes over. I don't understand that era specifically and the historical details i guess all the french people listening to this podcast are screaming i am really sorry but you don't have to know the historical details to be able to enjoy this book this is a masterpiece this book is about love it's about revenge about regret and any possible human emotion and character developments are just they are they have aced it i mean i love alexander dumas and yeah 
Uh, it has three volumes, each of which I guess have uh, 500 pages, or at least uh, the copy that I read was like that. But I kid you not, <laughs> during the two weeks that I was on the book, uh, reading and analyzing and stuff, uh, I couldn't put it on the floor. I couldn't stop myself from reading. I skipped the gym. I skipped my life to just read that book because it was amazing. I definitely recommend it. The story happens in Marseilles, France, which who wouldn't love France to be the location of a story? Okay, I can't ramble on and on about this book till eternity, but let's get to the other one. Actually, before I get to the other one, let's read you a quote from the book that is... This quote is everything. Okay, so listen to this. I don't think man was meant to attain happiness so easily. Happiness is like those places in fairy tales whose gates are guarded by dragons. We must fight in order to conquer it. Alexander Dumas, The Count of Monte Cristo. Honestly, <laughs> I cannot think of a better quote about happiness, that's pure reality, and it has been proved to me times after times in the 17 years of my life. But let's get to the another one, The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, which is about a man who wakes up one day and finds out that he has turned into a cockroach. And then the first thing he worries about is him being late to work, which is full of irony and pointed against uh, today's society's bureaucracy. And a fun fact, the term Kafkaesque also refers to anything that kind of is opposed to today's bureaucracy. I don't know if I am pronouncing the word right but i just hope <laughs> the next one is the gadfly by fl lillian voynich oh god this is a revolutionary masterpiece this book makes makes you want to start a revolution inside the world and inside yourself it is i mean i was bawling my eyes out at the end of the book and it is, it is, oh my god, this book is about having a fire in your heart towards a, a specific ideology, and just because, because of that ideology, you are willing to give up your life to make a change in the world, and I just, I think that that, you know, the fact that you are willing to sacrifice yourself just for a purpose and that purpose is to change the world. I guess that is so pure and I like it. Although I have never felt that way about it, any specific ideology. Uh, because uh, I guess in this modern society we need to learn to live together no matter what ideology we have. And no matter how we look at the world around us, uh, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But the next one is actually four books, and they are related like a chain of books. 
it's a uh, Hobbit and then the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> God, I'm a literate. I'm sorry. Uh, it makes you dream in the light of the day. I mean, the way J.R.L. talking, I guess if I am pronouncing it right, right, makes you not only see the place and hear the sound, but smell every existing thing that he describes in the scene. Like the scene with uh, a kind of a, it, there was a weird creature uh, named, like, I don't remember the name of it, <laughs> but the scene where Bilbo encounters that weird creature, and J.R.R. Tolkien describes the weird creature as something so slippery and not very pleasing. And honestly, I was actually seeing all this stuff. And now I have the picture of that weird creature in my mind. Like there was actually a, a thing that I saw with my own eyes. It was a kind of a fish, I guess, that had big, big eyes on the top of his head, I guess. But I just don't remember the name of it. I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, I love the character development, the way that Bilbo kind of left his comfort zone and start going on adventures with Gandalf and the way that Gandalf <laughs> changed Bilbo's mind I really love that and I actually uh, the character of Gandalf is so charismatic that I wish I was as charismatic as Gandalf I've always wondered how J.R.R. Tolkien's brain works. It must be a galaxy of ideas with various stars where through an atomic reaction in their nucleus, creativity becomes existence. I just love that. And I feel like J.R.R. Tolkien not only writes characters, but actually lives with them, you know? Uh, there is no other way to <clears throat> make the reader feel like, you know, there's actually a world, a magical world, but I cannot see this. But the way he talks about it is like, it actually exists, you know? I just, I just love it. The next one, To Kill a Mockingbird. I will only say one sentence about this book. It tastes like a lemonade on a summer day. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. 1984 by George Orwell. Oh my god. This is the meaning of dystopian perfection. He was so intellectually ahead of his time. Because you know what he describes in the book about the big brother? Has so many things in common with the current power system, you know? And I don't want to get too political, so that's... That's all I will say. You gotta read it. <clears throat> the next one. Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. If you want to experience a sweet pain, read this book. It is painfully sad but magically enjoyable. It tells the story of a boy named Pip who lives a miserable life that consists of him living with his sister as the result of being an orphan 
and then being so poor and unhappy, or should I say, he was happy until Miss Havisham walks in and makes him understand that life is not supposed to be that way, and his bad luck was made him. I'm sorry, his bad luck has made him born into unhappiness. And that's when he loses the ability to be happy with what he has. Uh, I recommend this book. It's about <laughs> shattering the grand illusion. In the um, series Rick and Morty, there is a... Uh, okay, how do I put this? It's so complicated to uh, try to, you know, uh, explain to somebody who has never seen Rick and Morty. Uh, there is a, I guess, it's uh, season 3, episode 5 or 6, maybe, I don't know, uh, where uh, they kind of have a, you know, look all around the uh, Rick Citadel. Uh, you know, that episode is, it is, <laughs> I mean, chef's kiss, it is just, oh my god, I love it. I love everything about that episode, especially because it has it has so many hidden layers. It it is it is filled with symbols and symbols and meanings and I just I just couldn't move all through that episode. I was just concentrated on the screen and trying to absorb all that meaning and meaning and perfection. Uh, but yeah, there is a dialogue. Uh, where okay it is a company that produces some cookies i guess but those cookies uh, are supposed to taste like a certain moment uh, and there is this scene which uh, in their uh, kind of in their advertisement they say that <clears throat> you can taste the feeling of shattering the grand illusion <laughs> and you gotta see that i just i just loved it and i used used it now because the great expectations is kind of like that you can taste the shattering the grand illusion while reading it uh but let's move on to the next one becoming by michelle obama now i haven't read the book but listened to the podcast which was absolutely enjoyable. I love Michelle's voice and the way she acts out the dialogues and she she kind of says every single word with the, you know, the correct emotion and inflection. I just love it. And this is one of uh, side-changing books. And I think that mm, it kind of doesn't matter if you are on that side politically or on a different side just no matter your political side read this book and i think you will enjoy it okay this one is a little bit teenagery <laughs> it's the fault in our stars but i love the way john green has wrote this book has written this book I have read The Paper Towns by him too, but I didn't like Paper Towns, to be honest. Uh, but The Fault in Our Stars has so many different elements 
that I couldn't find in Paper Towns. Like the way John Green describes being a teenager and having to fight with cancer, I guess it's more powerful than Paper Towns or other John Green books, I don't know. Uh, but I remember <laughs> uh, on a summer night, I was reading this book. I pulled an all-nighter to just to finish the book. It was uh, 3.30 a.m. or something. And I was crying so hard. I was kind of uh, toward the end of the book and it gets so emo and dark. So I was crying so hard that I... I, I was out of breath. <laughs> I was gasping for air and I left my window open and put a chair on the in front of the window and went on reading with my window open and trying to get some fresh air because I honestly <laughs> couldn't breathe. I was crying so hard. I mean, it's kind of it's a rare occurrence for me to cry to movies. Or books, but this one, <laughs> this hit, hit hard, you know. Well, there are so many Persian books, which is my mother tongue. And I think people across the board should read them. But I doubt they have been translated into English. One of the authors I love is Hushang Mardikarmani. And I guess his books have been translated to English. And he's just a well-received author. And I guess he got a prize, uh, in got an award, which was internationally acceptable in some of the international festivals. I don't actually memorize biographies, but I guess, yeah, it has happened. Uh, but he has a book uh, named... Uh, believe it or not it is an autobiography and i have read the book three times okay first of all hushang mordikermani's books um seem so simple but they have so many symbols and hidden layers so you may don't get the complexities behind the meanings at first but when you read the book and you go on with the you know the flow of the book you start to grasp so many beautiful hidden layers there's another persian book named a guide to die using herbs by uh, atia tarzadeh which is such a hard name to uh pronounce with english accent uh, she's awesome. I wish it had been translated into English or other languages, but I guess shame. It, it's a shame that it's not. But this book is creepily enjoyable. Uh, another author I like is uh, Mustafa Mastur. I've read every single book of his. And I don't think that any of his books has been translated into English. Maybe I have to do it myself. <laughs> I don't know. And there are so many Persian poets that I like to introduce to people all around the world. Like Hamid Musaddeq and uh, Hushang Abtahaj.
Gesar Aminpur, and so many others whose poems haven't been translated. But I guess Hafez, Sadi, and Rumi are some great poets whose poems you can read in English. And uh, actually, Rumi is, uh, I guess he's the most popular Persian poets among foreigners because of the masterpiece named uh, 40, The 40 Rules of Love by Elif Shafak. This book is the reason to give you that, the, the reason to why I just gave that lengthy introduction to Iranian literature. But uh, this book is about the life of Rumi and how he met with his dear friend Shams. It is, uh, they have some kind of an intellectual relationship. They were uh, on the same level of, you know, spirituality. And therefore they had a pure bond. It was some kind of an intellectually enriching friendship. Shams taught Rumi more and more about love, true love towards God and the creation. My summary of it may not sound interesting, but you gotta read it. Although, it's kind of a shame that the best-selling book about Rumi, an Iranian poet, is wrote by Elif Shafak, a French genius and lovely writer. It shows that Iranians should pay more attention to their culture and history. And French are just way ahead of us. Love you, French people, and I have gained so much vision reading your literal masterpieces. Which, speaking of, the next one we have is... Okay, I can't read this name with a French accent. It's the French version of Desire. I don't know, it's Desire by Anna Marie Selinko. I'm sorry <laughs> to all the people. French people who are now screaming because of my horrible pronunciation. <sighs> it's a historical book about how Napoleon bails on his first love, a girl named Desire or Desire. The main character is Desire or Desire, I don't know. Read the story from her perspective and honestly, I am fascinated by French history. Although my grasp of it is not not okay <laughs> but then again i just love french history and french literature so i definitely recommend it the next one the sufi's world by justin garder i guess i don't even want to say anything about it you just gotta read it and you'll thank me later but uh, seriously, another book by Justin Garder is The Orange Girl. Oh my god. This book feels like, like a spring breeze. It's just, oh my god. It warms your heart in the best way possible. I really like it. And I remember that the... Nah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I uh, started this book on a final night. Um on an exam night that the the morning no no uh, in the day I started this book 
was the day that I had a chemistry exam in like two days and I <laughs> I started this book and I was like okay I will read two pages and then you know don't just go with my chemistry but I it was so awesome that I just I <laughs> bailed on chemistry that day and I just dedicated the whole day to finishing this book and I just love it a fraction from a whole by Steve Tolls. it has so much hype around it but uh okay don't attack me at first I was fascinated by this book I related to so many quotes of the book and I found myself mind blown so many times through the journey of reading the book but after the page 340 maybe, it kind of goes downhill and it was kind of a struggle to actually end the book. But then again, much respect and love and regard to Steve Tolles because I love the way he writes. I just think that he could write the fraction from whole in a more concise way. But again... I love him. The next author I am going to talk about is Khaled Hosseini. To be honest, I've only read a half of his book uh, called And the Mountain Echoed. Uh, and I haven't read uh, one of his best-selling books named um, The Kite Runner. But that half of the book was enough for me to know that I am gonna finish every existing book of Khaled Hosseini as soon as possible. The next one is Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Oh my god. If you haven't read this book, you haven't lived life fully, really. I had my first ever fiction crush on Rhett Bossler, one of the characters in the book. It is the story of a girl named Scarlett who has a secret crush on a boy named Ashley. But then she finds out that he's getting married to this other girl named Melanie. So she kind of gets married to the boy's, in Ashley's brother to kind of get back at him. But her husband, AKL, Ashley's brother passes away during the war that happens between North and South America and here comes a new era of hatred and destruction throughout the country. She grows up as she tries to deal with her losses. The character development in this book is just eye-opening. You know the fact that when everything is just falling apart during a war and you have to keep it together you have to keep on living because you're not gonna die and i just love it i just love the scarlet's struggle with his with her morals to uh, find a way to cope with all the things that has that she has lost the next one, The Little Prince, or Lopoti Perance, I guess, 
by Antoine Dossant Exupéry. Uh, first time I read this book, I was in second grade, so I couldn't understand the symbols and hidden layers of it, so I didn't enjoy it. But the second time around, I found everything I've missed out on the first time. It tells the story of a pilot whose plane has crashed in the, I guess, middle of a whole new planet. And while trying to find a way to, you know, fix it, he encounters a cute little prince who claims to own a beautiful red flower on another planet. But it's got so many layers and symbols and slightly roasts this modern, semi-heartless world. The next one is Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, which is the only book I've read by him. It tells the story of a married gorgeous woman who falls in love with a single attractive man. It raises so many questions in your head about morality and ethics, what's right and what's wrong, what's love and what's lost. You know, I like it. I like it because, you know, at first when you read the book, you're like, oh my god that that woman is a sinner <laughs> she has to die and that is a wrong behavior but then when you get to see the situation from her perspective and from other people's perspective it changes your sight it changes the way you see the world and you know i just love um having those questions of what's wrong and what's right raised in my head because uh, I kind I think that it is necessary to doubt everything that are supposed to be obvious to you every now and then I don't know if I've made myself clear enough but read this book The Catcher in the Rye has been received perfectly well by everybody around the world. But it's nihilistic and I didn't enjoy it. It's about a boy named Holden Caulfield and how he's kind, it's, he's kind of a misfit. Nothing about this book fascinates me. Or, or maybe there's something that I can't understand about it. I don't know. I read the book when I was 14 and maybe I need to read the book again. Maybe 14 was a young age for that book. But again, nihilistic books mm, tend to not fascinate me. The same thing goes with uh, The Clown by Heinrich Böll. Uh, I guess I read this one when I was uh, 13. Perhaps, and honestly, I did not enjoy it. But then again, maybe I should read it again. Maybe there was something I couldn't get at that age. It's about a man who develops a relationship with his boss's daughter. And they live together but are not married in a Christian sense. And the girl is not happy about it. She's a true Christian and wants things to go in a religious way. 
Therefore, the conflicts between them get rougher and rougher each day till the girl leaves the man at last. I honestly don't remember the names of the girl, the man. Uh, but that's all I have in my memory about the book. But now that I think of it, <laughs> maybe I have to read the book again. Maybe it's about how religion can be not so important in your life, but that again, kind of ruin your life. I don't know. Also, I recommend Shakespeare works. I love the way he puts stories. Although I do not enjoy the fact that um, the main plot line is kind of the same in all of, all of his books. I mean, all of them are just tragedies who will end by everyone being killed or killing themselves somehow. I don't like that fact that it happens so repeatedly in all of his works. But then again, the way he writes and puts stuff, I love that. And last but not least, Oedipus on the Road. You may or may not know that I am... I am just just fascinated by Greek mythology. I mean, when I see a Greek name attached to any story, I will read that. <laughs> this book tells the story of how a fortune teller uh, tells Oedipus's Oedipus's parents when he was a baby that. Uh, you know, the way that stars align shows that this baby is gonna kill his father and marry to his mother. So, his father, which was a king, who was a king, sentenced the innocent baby to be executed by the man who was in charge of his execution, kind of sympathizes with the baby at last, and I guess puts him in a forest in the hope of somebody finding him and raising him in a better way. Uh, but 